This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 227, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 10th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans, this is episode 227, I'm your host Adam Chapman, this is our reviews episode for releases from the week of Wednesday, December the 10th, thank you for joining us today. Um, Today we're going through a bunch of the comics that came out last week. Um, but 11 of them, um, now, usually I try to have a bit of a, an even split between Marvel and DC, um, when it came time to do the podcast, I realized most of the stuff I had read so far was Marvel-related, uh, a lot of it, uh, Avengers-related, <laughs> as the case with me, because there was a lot of Avengers releases this past week, but let's just jump right in, and we'll kind of go through, uh, what came out, and what was good, what was bad, what was ugly. Uh, first up is, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 11. Uh, this is Spider-Verse Part 3. Um, I've read on, like, people seem to be enjoying this. It's not quite working for me. It feels too much like a hodgepodge, and I, I'm not really that interested in the Inheritors as a force. I don't think they're that interesting. Uh, even seeing, like, I guess, what, Solus, the kind of Inheritor, you know, Big Daddy, uh, in this issue, I didn't really thrill me. Um, there were probably Koi Pell doesn't even quite seem like his best. Um, some of his faces I just don't think worked, like... You know, the way that he design, like does the design on um, Otto as Peter Parker, I mean, it doesn't really even look like the same person, even though it's supposed to be the same guy, just with a different kind of mind steering the body. Uh, I like that we're finally getting a confrontation between the two Parkers, sorry, between Otto and Peter. That was cool, but again, um, it wasn't kind of enough. Um, you know, the, the gather- there's a lot of moments where it's kind of like this gathering of forces, and that kind of could be cool, and sending people in different directions but too often it just feels like like go read this book go read this book go check out that book and i'm just like i i should be able to just enjoy this and not have to be told to go elsewhere uh especially because those other chapters are tie-ins but aren't given like parts whereas this is part three and the other ones don't say this is part three b three d you know what i mean um and then there's some fun being had here they go to you know earth 67 uh, you have the ultimate Spider-Man from the TV show is one of the versions kind of swinging around. He's, you know, very much like the TV. And then they meet up with uh, the 1967 version of Spider-Man from the t- television show as well. And I, it's obviously it's um, them trying to have fun with it and kind of being silly. But again, it, all it really is is setting up what happens in a different book instead of actually making it in something important. Like, I guess if you're going to have tie-ins, it's fine, but don't, like, set up for this moment and then say, oh, go read here. Like, fuck off. Like, that's... I just think that's really lazy storytelling. Uh, we find out who the Scion appears to be. I just... I don't... The, the art on the last, last page I found to be really kind of wanting. Um, the, the portrayal of the baby didn't really look that good, and even even the, the inheritor holding him didn't look that good either. Um, I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I, I want to like this more than I do. As I said, it feels like a hodgepodge of ideas, um, not really being given enough space to really work. Uh, I feel like it's more spectacle and not as much substance. Uh, even the, the spider on spider fight felt like it could have been something more. It should have been more dramatic, uh, and it felt like it was just a little bit less than it needed to be. Um, not necessarily just less dramatic, just less in general, just less of something. And it should have been a little bit more, and I think that was a little disappointing for me. I'm gonna give it a six. I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's just at times feels lazy, and the art's good, but not 
like the best I've ever seen. Uh, next up is Amazing X Men number fourteen, and uh, let's see this. This I actually really dug. It was it's part of an Axis tie-in, so you have Nightcrawler being evil. Um, sorry, I should say Amazing Spider-Man was by Dan Slott and uh, Olivier Capel. Uh, Amazing X-Men number 14 is written by Chris Yost, artwork by Carlo Barberi and Ivan Coelho. Um, I actually really dug this. Um, Mystique kind of going through her own kind of deal here. Um, ends up going after Nightcrawler, uh, which I thought was really cool as well. Um, kind of her dealing with how that she's different now. And so is her son, trying to go after her son. Um her son's kind of tormenting people in the original village um, that he was from. Uh, just really good dramatic storytelling. Uh, I really like the take on Mystique here and how uh, Nightcrawler is written as well. Very cool. Unfortunately, it says that everything that this was is going to be continued in the pages of Avengers X-Men Axis, which means it probably won't really be addressed considering there's only two more issues left, and I doubt that they're going to bother with this. But um, this is really strong, fantastic artwork, strong story. Uh, uh, actually, two strong stories this week uh, focusing on Mystique. This is probably not the stronger one, but that's not a dig at all. I mean, this was very well done. I'm going to give it an 8. It's a very good read. I definitely recommend it. Again, Amazing X-Men, since the beginning, has been a fantastic book. The, uh, Spider-Man and his kind of Amazing Friends kind of one-off storyline was kind of a, a derailment for the series, I think. Ever, otherwise, it's been extremely well-paced, uh, fun, uh, bright. Uh, the artwork's been just over... Uh, there's just a sense of fun and playfulness here. And even in this story, where it's definitely serious, um, there's just this lightness to it as well. Uh, it's hard to describe. Uh, next up is Avengers 39. It feels like we're really starting to get somewhere, or they're finally kind of move, moving somewhere. So it's written by Hickman, artwork by Diodato. Um, so it's all about the fact that you have um, uh, Steve Rogers' forces. It's called You Can't Win Part 1. So he's got Steve Rogers' forces kind of trying to converge on uh, the Illuminati and try and take them out uh, using a squad of Iron Patriots, basically, or War Machines, I guess. They definitely look more like War Machines. He's not wearing Iron Patriot anymore, I guess. So you have a squad of uh, War Machines, uh, which is very cool. You have um, uh, Captain Marvel going up against the Hulk, which is really cool. Um, just a lot of good stuff, and it looks like you know things might be turning against um, uh, against the Illuminati when suddenly the Avengers show up. And by the Avengers, of course, we mean the Sunspots Avengers that have been over uh, in well, both New Avengers and Avengers right now. Um, so it feels like a lot of the kind of disparate plots that Hickman's been seeding throughout Time Runs Out are finally converging and um, and becoming a thrilling kind of adventure, and they're definitely kind of coming together. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5. It wasn't quite an 8, but it was getting there. Uh, then we have Avengers and X-Men Axis number 7. Ugh, this series is it's not over yet. Um, I just I just haven't really enjoyed it. I, I, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's written by Rick Mender, artwork by Adam Kubert. Uh, it's called New World Disorder, Chapter 1. Um, you have the mass, uh, the, uh, basically these new Avengers that uh, Loki and Carnage and all the other villains are part of going up against the X-Men. Uh, you have Deadpool and Spider-Man trying to kind of infiltrate Apocalypse and, and put them down. Um, you know, a lot of fighting, and it just kind of feels very mindless. 
with all the X-Men versus the Switcheroo villains. Uh, you have um, Scarlet Witch going up against Doctor Doom and Magneto. Now, the big kind of revelation is that she does this spell that's supposed to mess with people of her bloodline, and it appears to not affect Magneto, uh, which is a lot of people thinking that maybe they're not related, which, I, God, I hope they don't go that way. I think if they do go that way, I think that's a really unfortunate um, decision that feels so corporate-based and not story-based, because that's just a long-standing element. That I don't think there's any point of that. Um, and, and the whole apocalypse thing, again, I... I I'm just not feeling it, and uh, the decapitation of Deadpool, that didn't really need to happen either, I just, I just find this, uh, it feels so empty, this event, um, and like, what's, where are even the Avengers now, like, we're focusing so much on the, I guess they're all kind of gone, <coughs> but, I mean, I, I, I'm just not feeling this at all. Um, I guess this is becoming more of an X-Men story, kind of, and the way that Scarlet Witch is being used, I really don't care for that either. Uh, I just found myself bored. Uh, the art's not great. Um, I shouldn't say it's not great. It's just, it, it feels a little uninspired. I'm going to give it a five. Um, next up is Avengers World. Uh, this is issue 16, the last issue until February, as it's taking an issue off to come back as part of um, Before Time Runs Out. Uh, this I thought was great uh, I wish there was more of this this was an Axis tie-in as well written by Nick Spencer artwork by um, sorry written by Spencer and Frank Barbier and artwork by Marco Cicchetto with Ramon Rosanas um, I, first of all I loved seeing uh, Valeria's team of Avengers uh, which is what Stingray 3D Man Phil Coulson also Bloodstone Valkyrie and the US Agent I wish this was a team for more than just this issue. Their interplay was really good. Their artwork was fantastic. They were up against the Scarlet Witch. Tried to find a way to stop her. Very, very cool. The end of the issue felt so disconnected from the rest of it. Like it shouldn't have even really been in this book. But basically it explains uh, how one of the setups for the upcoming Ant-Man series. That now Cassie Lang is going to be back. Although, I don't know how old she's supposed to be at the end. Because they kind of make her look a little younger than, younger than they should. We're calling uh, her, you know, Scott Lang Daddy. I don't know. It feels a little extra juvenile. I feel like she'd just say Dad. Um, but very cool ending. I'll go. Although again, it had nothing to do with the rest of the issue. That being said, the rest of the issue was great. Um, I love this team of Avengers. Again, I'm sad it's only this kind of short term one issue one off, but um, or two issues, I guess. But I thought it was a really strong issue. Give it an eight out of ten. Uh, next up is Axis Carnage number three. The last issue in the miniseries, which I think was just to write about the appropriate length. Uh, it's written by Rick Spears, artwork by Herman Peralta. Um, interesting. I, again, the whole idea of who the hell Senator is, it's not really addressed, and I don't even think it matters. He's just this weird kind of messed up spirit. You have Carnage trying to be a hero and realizing what a hero means, uh, but through his own twisted filter, I, I dug it. Um... I'm going to give it a six and a half. Again, I don't know if it was necessarily that strong. I, I did like it. I don't think it was great. Um, it was just this weird kind of self-contained thing that will probably never be referenced again, where Carnage decides to go hero uh, for reasons that are not that well even described in this series itself, even though I know, obviously, because of Axis. But, like, ten years from now, I might not... I would be like, what the hell was Axis? You know, like, that does happen. You... You know, you read things five years later, and suddenly you're like, well, what was going on at this time? Like, I read comics sometimes said in, the, like, the 90s, and I'm like, oh, yeah, was this going on? It was this, it was this, and was this. Like, if you read certain comics, like, and you go back, 
everything seems so obvious at the time, and now these little character things that have since been swept under the rug seem so messed up, or just like, what? Like, if you read um, uh, some of the comics I really enjoy, but like the X-Men comics from like around 92 to 94, um, there's a, short, a very short-lived kind of attraction between Psylocke and Cyclops, never really addressed ever again. But so if you read that comic, like one of my favorite comics, X-Men 20, because it was one of the first comics I remember getting, um, it was a classmate of mine, he read the comic, he had cut out pieces of it for like an art project or something, which horrifies me that I have this comic, and actually recently I had had this comic for years, and I don't think I ever went and got a a mint copy of it, so it was recently uh, reprinted in a trade trade paperback um, called, I think, The Skinning of Souls. And uh, I finally got to kind of read that full issue without having pieces of it cut out. And it was kind of an interesting experience. But in that issue, you have Psylocke, you know, coming on to Cyclops and her, her licking motor oil off his cheek, which is super disgusting. Uh, but sexy when you're like nine. You're like, what? That's messed up. That's hot. Because you don't know what's going on. And that, I feel like that's, that's who wrote it. Like basically a nine-year-old, right? Because who else would think that was like even a good idea? Um, anyways, that, that, I read that when I was like nine or 10 years old. And, uh, in that same comic that they brought back Revanche or whatever they, ended, or Quanon or whatever that ended up being. So if you go back and read those stuff, you're like, what the fuck? But at the time it was like, oh yeah, this is just the ongoing storyline. So that's how I feel about Axis Carnage. Um, a nice little fun done one that will never, probably never be really referenced anywhere else ever again. Not necessarily a bad thing, just it's sad that that's probably the way it's going to go, considering how entertaining it was. Uh, I, as again, I'm sure at the end of the storyline, things will be restored, so he'll be back to being a villain, which is kind of what makes it feel more unnecessary in some ways. Uh, if you didn't buy it, I don't blame you, because it doesn't have a lot to do with the main story, but um, it's still good. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal 36, uh, by Scott Snyder and James Keenan the fourth of the story. Actually, uh, if you have not read this book, I, you can pick up the first 21 issues. You're in the uh, Batman Eternal trade paperback that it came out, I think, a couple weeks ago. Uh, excellent value, very good price, depending on where you get it. Um, considering how many issues are in it, I mean, if you're buying that at retail, um, you know, you'd be paying a lot more because uh, what each issue is, um, let's see, Batman Eternal, two ninety nine, so 21 issues. I mean, that's... That's not cheap. I mean, that's $63 worth of comics. So if you're getting a trade for a lot less than that, a nice big thick trade too. I, it's definitely worth doing. I think it's a really, really good book. Um, this issue's great. Uh, James Tinney in the fourth action has the script with Ray Fox, Kyle Higgins, and Tim Seeley as consulting writers. Fernando Blanco on art, which at first I wasn't sure, but the more I read, the more I enjoyed. We, see, we find out a lot more about Jason Bard's kind of history, why he hates Batman, um... I do like the kind of the level here that it wasn't just because of Hush, it was because of this own personal uh, kind of revenge he wanted to take on Batman, uh, because of what Batman, his presence and his impact has, has impacted his life. Um, it's really interesting that I can't wait to, once I pick up the trade paperback, to be able to kind of collect every, all the all first 21 issues together as opposed to having to thumb through 21 separate issues. I can take them all out of their plastic, etc. I can't wait to go back and kind of read the whole thing again, knowing where it eventually goes, and seeing the seeds that were kind of laid. And again, I really liked that first how Jason Bard was kind of like this new commissioner who was teaming up with Batman, and then eventually would end up going up against him. Uh, interesting development. Again, I, I think it's a great weekly series, because 
Um, it's just an accelerated pace, and all these different storylines are going through. Um, there's kind of some Batman versus Hush stuff here that I thought was unnecessary. It looks like the Riddler may or may not be kind of one of the big bads, if not the big bad. That could maybe be a red herring, who knows. Uh, I like that Batman kind of gets out of the tough spot he was left in at the end of the last issue. Um, this remains a fairly consistently entertaining book. There's a lot of plot lines that, you know, you're like, you know, what's kind of going on with this? What's going on with that, with the crime families, with the nanovirus? But it's just because it's, you know, it's got so many issues to go and so many issues published in a month. It makes sense why they have so many plot lines. Although at times it does feel like they kind of forget about things or things are kind of sitting in the back burner for so long that they were kind of forgotten. But this issue alone was very good. Uh, next up is Death of Wolverine, Logan Legacy number six. Now, now I can't even remember, but the first issue I remember really hating. Um, I could be wrong, but I just I felt like I really just was not a fan that it, it was missing something integral. Like it was just kind of this weird mishmash of characters being kind of thrown into a room together, and uh, and then kind of going from there. And I just didn't understand the point of that. And especially because it was saying, like, read next issue, read next issue. I think I gave issue number one, I believe, a four out of ten. <coughs> but the books since then, I mean, issue two I gave a six. Issue three I gave an eight. Um, and I issue, I guess, four and five I didn't do on the podcast. I think I read after the podcast was already up. But issue six is all about Mystique. It's by uh, James Tinney the fourth, Andy Clark and artwork. And uh, I really like Andy Clark's art. He was recently on Batman Eternal. Great take on the characters. Really dug this. Uh, the script was strong. A fantastic Mystique story. So, as much as the first couple issues weren't so great, or the first two issues of Logan Legacy weren't so good, it's really gotten much better and so much more involved. And so, seeing what I, I love Mystique stories that involve Destiny, there's just something about Destiny I find so interesting. Um, so, I really dug this very strong script that you know shows that kind of Mystique was. After Magipore for a long time, she always got opposed by Wolverine. Um, what she does now that Wolverine's gone, finding out more about kind of Destiny's plan for her. Um, extremely cool. Um, yeah, and, and riveting. Like, the artwork was great. The scripting was great. I'm actually going to give this a 9. It's one of my favorite Mystique stories I've read in a long time. And considering we had a solid week of of, uh, night, um, of Mystique stories. I mean, you had two... two uh, Stories featuring her this week, and they're eights and nines for me because they're that good. Uh, next up is New Suicide Squad number five. Um, I dug the script. The story could have been a lot better. Uh, it's written by Sean Ryan, artwork by, well, the breakdowns by Tom Derenick with uh, Rob Hunter doing the art and Blonde doing the colors. At times, I just thought it was so sketchy. Some of the facial, instru- like the facial um, um, details were just so all over the place. Uh, Deadshot's face just kind of like it kept changing uh, the new kind of version of the team having Reverse Flash be there I didn't like how Reverse Flash was even used I forget how the character was kind of last used in Flash but seeing him here I just don't think rings true to what he would even do and how they convince him to do anything um, I thought that part of the script was alright but at times it just it was too uneven and again the Star Wars I didn't like very much so I'm going to give it a 4 um, next up is Nightcrawler number 9, which is not impacted by Axis, which is why we had, I guess, the Nightcrawler story in Amazing X-Men instead, which, to be honest, is kind of like a, a more, like, Nightcrawler is definitely one of the main stars of Amazing X-Men, so it makes sense that, you know, he's kind of getting a lot of play there. 
Um, I continue to really enjoy this book, uh, written by Chris Claremont, artwork by Todd Nock. Um, again, a lot of flashbacks uh, to training sessions with um, Nightcrawler and Wolverine, him kind of learning how to take on you know multiple opponents that may or may not be his friends, how to use their weak, their uh, weaknesses and their strengths against them. Um, very strong, a nice Shadow King fight. Um, you know, there was not a lot of deep characterization here, although more than you would expect in an issue like this. Like, just based on the the, the breakdown that, you know, it's an action-oriented issue with Nightcrawler going up against, you know, these Shadow King-possessed versions of the X-Men, that sounds like a very action-oriented issue. And it is, but because it's Claremont kind of using the flashbacks to kind of add more depth, there actually is more character work than you would maybe expect. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. And last is Spider-Verse Team-Up number 2. Uh, I don't know. Um, let's see. The main story, it's called Too Many Spider-Man, featuring 67 Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man from TV, and Miles Morales' Ultimate Spider-Man by Christos Gage and Dave Williams. And then A Spider in the Dark, featuring Spider-Gwen and Goblin by Jerry Conway and Steven Sanders. Um, I appreciate that they use the 60s Spider-Man and the 60s Spider-Man villains, and I just, I just didn't care, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, and I guess it basically is just a recruitment drive, but I just, it, it, it's trying to be this charming book and it just didn't really clearly work for me. Like I don't, I understand they're using all these different versions of Spider-Man of all the versions of Spider-Man you could use. I don't actually care about seeing the 1960s Spider-Man or the ultimate TV series version of Spider-Man. Well, fuck, where's my 90s Spider-Man? If you're going to use anyone, use Christopher Daniel Barnes. But I'm just saying, I don't actually care about seeing animated versions of Spider-Man. It just looks awkward when they're on the page. And they don't. I there's just so many different cool alternate versions of Spider-Man out there. Why aren't we seeing them? Why are we seeing these TV versions who they're just playing for awkward laughs? Like I mean, also Spider-Man is hard not to because of the way he breaks the fourth wall, like Deadpool. But with uh, 67, like it's so trying to push the meta. You know, oh look, the Daily Bugle's only this many. You know, th- this many windows wide. I'm like, fuck off. Like, I got it. Just tell, tell a good story. Don't get so bogged down in the jokes and the silliness. Um, I just feel like there's more proof of concept in Spider-Verse than we're actually getting to see. Um, now we have uh, an interesting team up with Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen sorry, and the Goblin, but a Peter Parker version of the Goblin. That I thought was actually a little bit better. Um, and it was kind of a nice way that the character goes out um, saving a Gwen and kind of making his own peace with the fact that he let all these people die in his life. But the main story, like the first one, no thanks. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 overall. <coughs> now, the um, issues I didn't get a chance to look at, there's a lot of them. Uh, so strap in. Uh, here we go. Astro City 18, Batgirl 37. I'll get to it. I just, I'm not excited about it. Coffin Hill 14, Constantine 20, Earth 2 Worlds End 10, FBP, Federal Bureau of Physics number 16, Green Lantern Corps 37, the next chapter of Godhead. It just didn't get around to it yet. Harley Quinn Holiday Special, number one. Justice League United, number seven. Clarion, number three. New 52 Features End, 32. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 52. World's Finest, 29. All New Ultimates, 11. Amazing Spider-Man Annual, number one. Deadpool's Out of War, number three. George Romero's Empire of Dead, Act 2, number four. Gardens of the Galaxy Annual, number one. Punisher, number 13. Rocket Raccoon, number six. Spider-Man and the X-Men, number one. Thor, number three. Uncanny X-Men Annual, number one. X-Force, 13. And X-Men, 22. Uh, if we look forward to next week, um, so that would be comics coming out on the 17th of December. Uh, highlights include the following. 
Um, there's The Authority, Trade Paperback, Volume 2 coming out. Uh, Batgirl Hardcover, Volume 5, as well as the fourth Trade Paperback from Batgirl. A next uh, chapter of Endgame and Batman. Another Robin Rises uh, issue or um, a chapter in Batman and Robin. You have the Batman Kelly Jones Gallery Edition Hardcover. That's a big one, $125. You got the DMZ, um, that's right, DMZ, I'm Canadian. Uh, DMZ Deluxe Edition Hardcover Book 3. Um, Fables continues his march towards the end at Fables 147. Future Zen, five years later, Omnibus is coming out at $100. Uh, you have an Identity Crisis 10th Anniversary Hardcover for $30. Um, a next chapter of The Amazo Virus and Justice League. Uh, Multiversity Thunderworld, um, Spectre Volume 2, The Wrath of God. I think that's the old Ostrander series it's collecting, which is cool, etc., uh, etc. Et and then if we go over to Marvel, uh, we've got um, all, the next issue of All New Captain America, All New X-Men 34, uh, the fourth trade paperback of All New X-Men, for those following it in softcover, uh, Axis number 8, um, you've got Avengers Now, uh, Axis Hobgoblin number three, Axis Revolutions number four. Uh, you have Cyclops Trade Paperback Volume One. Uh, if you were waiting to um, collect the entirety of the orig- the first Mark Way Daredevil series, um, you have the seventh Trade Paperback coming out uh, as well. You have the next issue of Fantastic Four, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel First Trade Paperback Volume Three, nineteen eighties, which I don't see the point of because yeah, so many of the books included are just like parts, the first part of a mini series, or just like who would want to even read that? Um, in theory, it's a cool idea, but in practice, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Powers Bureau Trade Paperback Volume Two, uh, new chapters of um, Spider Verse in Scarlet Spiders Number Two and Spider Woman Number Two, and then you have uh, Thunderbolts Trade Paperback Volume Five, Punisher vs Thunderbolts, as well as the Uncanny X Force by Rick Remender Complete Collection Volume Two, which I am. Super excited about because then I think I might dump my singles and uh, just have a nice two giant complete collections instead. So thank you for joining me for episode 227. This has been the reviews episode for comics release Wednesday, December the 10th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. We'll catch you next time. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And then post our H.E. Realms thread when I finally get around to posting the next thread. So thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.